Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. Friends, welcome and Merry Christmas. Our scripture for Christmas Eve comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Listen now for a word from God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Now, for Advent at Ormwood Church, for the four weeks leading up to Christmas, we've been exploring the theme of a light in the darkness. We chose this guiding phrase for many reasons, but I think for me it really captures Advent well because it is a church season that happens in the literal darkness. The weather is darker, the sun is out less and less until winter solstice, dawn comes late and evening creeps in earlier. And in Advent, We are waiting for the light that comes in that physical darkness. We are waiting for the turning of the tides. And not just darkness in the sky. We know darkness can mean a number of things. Our moods, our lives, our experiences. Darkness is a physical and metaphorical and spiritual thing. Advent is a liturgical season that spends the most time in that literal dark. And for most people, darkness has negative connotations. We can't see well in the dark. There are many unknowns. We've been told that the boogeymen lurk there. And who hasn't cursed after banging a shin, stumbling through an unfamiliar living room after people have turned off the lights? There's the darkness also of the 22 months in the pandemic. Illness either in your body or the fear of finding it in your body or having it nestle into the body of someone you love. Maybe your darkness is a relationship falling apart expectations being unmet, losing a job that helped define you and give you a purpose. It feels dark when age starts closing in on your body or mind or the body and mind of someone you love. And occasionally, the funerals outweigh the baptisms. The darkness of a grave overshadows the light of a birthday candle. When I feel depression coming on, the best articulation I offer my spouse is that it just feels like it's dark inside and out. The scary kind of dark. We know darkness. 
And the thing is, because we know darkness, we're really good at turning on lights to avoid it. Real lights, like light bulbs and candles and even spotlights and night lights and all the lights. We've gotten so good at it, in fact, that we're now dealing with what is known as light pollution. Our man-made lights are blocking out the natural vision of the stars who depend on the darkness. The lights we insist turning on throw off the trail of turtles on the beach. These lights disturb bird flight patterns. We really try hard to eradicate the darkness. And we get creative with driving the emotional darkness away too. Some ways are better than others. I mean, there's community, but there's also avoidance. There's practices of gratitude, but there's also indulgence. There's medication, but there's also drugs. We really try hard to eradicate the darkness so hard that sometimes we become our worst enemy. And I'm sorry to tell you, but we cannot always drive away the darkness. Darkness simply exists. We can't ever fully eradicate it, and on some days I wish we could, but we can't. It's here. It gets dark outside and inside. But we do not have to yield all of darkness over to the devil. There are good things about the dark, about the night. From the story of creation, the first chapter of the Bible, there was day and there was night, and God saw that it was good. Both were good and necessary and worthy. And while we are diurnal creatures, diurnal, our eyes need lots of lights to see. But there are also nocturnal animals who need very little light to see. They, in fact, depend on the darkness to live their mysterious and important lives. And our bodies require some level of darkness each day to sleep. And Barbara Brown Taylor reminds us in her book, Walking in the Dark, that the circadian rhythm of waking and sleeping matches the natural cycle of day and night, which affects everything from a body chemistry to our relationships. Scripture tells us that both light and darkness are necessary and valuable. Psalm 19.2 says, Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. Or we have Isaiah 45.3, where God says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places so that you will know that I am God. Or consider Abraham, who had to go into the dark of night to encounter God and to see the stars of his offspring in the sky. And Jacob saw the brightest angels in his dream as he slept in the dark of the wilderness with the stone as a pillow. I think some of the wisdom I need to hear as we round the corner of this second year in a pandemic, what I think will be some of the hardest years of our lives, is that we should spend less time pretending it's not dark or even wishing it wasn't dark. Instead, we need to learn how to walk in the darkness. We should lean into the fact that there is a church season that exists in the darkest part of the year, and it's a season defined by hope, not sadness. One of my favorite writers and thinkers that I've mentioned before, Barbara Brown Taylor, wrote a book on this idea of befriending the darkness instead of cursing it. She starts the first chapter by saying, I believe that learning to walk in the dark is a spiritual skill some of us could use right now. You know what? I couldn't agree more with her. <laughs> if the darkness isn't going anywhere, 
than I guess learning to be in it, to navigate when it grows dim, and to find the lights that give that guide us forward, even if slowly, that's an essential spiritual skill. Looking for the lights available to us in the darkness becomes an important tool in our kit. Enter our scripture for today. John's opening to his gospel offers insight into light and darkness. I know on Christmas Eve, I usually preach the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew or Luke with the angels and the shepherds and the crowded inn. There is something lovely about the story of God's arrival in the most unexpected people and places. But the Gospel according to John starts out very differently. There are no babies. There is simply the Word of God, which is a very Greek philosophical way of talking about God's thoughts or God's mind, if you will. And this word of God, as John calls him, came to earth and became human. You could say it like this. In Jesus, God speaks God's mind. That's the word of God. And in that word of God, life comes into being and the light was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. The word of God is a place of light in the darkness around us. The passage goes on to remind us that John the Baptist was not that light, but he pointed to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone. So in the midst of the darkness, many Christmases long ago, the darkness of the oppression of an empire, the darkness of societal rejection so deep that a pregnant woman's forced to birth amidst animals, but also amidst the darkness of a night sky that offers humble privacy. God speaks a word of light, enters our world, and enlightens us. Now, the darkness did not go away. If you read all the Gospel of John, you know darkness does not cease to exist. It was not absent, but it also did not overcome the light God sent. The darkness was not complete. It does not fill the whole story or the whole scene. Perhaps it simply sets the scene. Barbara Brown Taylor goes on later in her book to say that learning to walk in the dark might involve some actual skills and not simply bravado. So to survive when it is dark out, we must expend some energy on learning how. As diurnal creatures, both physically and I'd claim metaphorically, It doesn't always come natural for us to be in the dark. At least not all the time or in complete darkness. We do require nightlights and flashlights and the North Star. So, as Christmas Eve's sun sets outside even now and darkness grows, I think God calls on us this day to develop a specific skill for the darkness. And that's of looking for the light of Jesus the light that shines from the word of God, from God's speaking God's mind in the person of Jesus. In the darkness of this night, a light is sent to help guide us, to love us, to save us, to dwell among us. And the Gospel of John in our scripture for today says that when we look for that light and can see it in the darkness, something special happens. We then start to have light ourselves. We get enlightened it, as verse 9 says, and then we can share that light with others. Now, John is the master of metaphor and abstract thinking, (laughs) as far as the gospel writers go, at least. So all of this talk still doesn't feel grounded enough for you. 
I hear that. In January and February, we're actually hoping to explore a bit more of what this light of God is that came through Jesus. Perhaps pull it out of John's abstract language and put some flesh on it. So we're doing a series on discipleship, on learning how to be like Jesus. Discipleship is just a fancy way to say I'm becoming a learner, a learner of Jesus. We will spend two months in worship learning to see the light of God in Jesus and being filled with that light ourselves by being disciples. Now, I cannot tell you that the darkness will recede anytime soon or that COVID will fall away or homelessness will end or your marriage will be saved. I'm too much of a pragmatist to make those claims or promises and I've seen too much, even in just my 38 years. The darkness remains. But I'm also a person of faith who believes very deeply that in the darkest parts of life, the light of Christ shines forth. And while the darkness remains, God teaches us how to walk in it, how to find God's light in it, how to share that light with others. And maybe this Christmas, the light of Christ is literally just lighting that Advent candle and placing it in your windowsill. Maybe it's the light of companionship, family, chosen, or by birth. Our passage today says that either works. Or maybe the light of Christ is in the darkness, in paring down, reading more, working less, walking in God's creation. Maybe it's getting to know Jesus better. But on this day, more than any other day, let me say this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it.